Ah, oh, you found it. Okay. 613 mitzvahs. 613 strands of the soul, each mitzvah being an expression of the personality of the of the of the of the neshama. Is it the same number of pages? It doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. Just sit down and whatever you want to do, you can do. You can take one, you can take two, you can take five. Hashuzer Metayagnimi. The Hevel, this Hevel who in the Shama Atsu. The Hevel is the Neshama itself. As we said, it's not that, that the, the rope connects the Neshama. No, the, the, the Moshal is the Neshama itself, is the rope. The Nishmasa Shaladimu, a Hevel, is like the rope, a Mekashre Belokus, that connects him to Elokus. Ulazes in the Neshama Atzman, and this, the Neshama itself, Shazur is braided. Mitayad Nimin, from 613 strands. As it says in the first part of Tanya, in the 51st parak. The Neshama has, what's this now in terms of the Neshama itself? In the mushal, so we say it's 13, 613 strands of a rope. But that's a, that's a mushal. The Neshama isn't a rope. That's a mushal for understanding something about the Neshama that helps us understand it in physical terms because the only way we can understand anything is in physical terms. But the neshama itself, what it has, 613 kaiches, 613 different aspects of the personality of the neshama. And each of those aspects is expressed specifically in a, in a mitzvah, whether it's through action or lack of action. Positive, negative. Vatama davar, and the reason is, hudama razal, like Hazal say, it's a mishnah in Sanhedrin, as you can see, peragdalit, mishnah hey. A person is obligated to say, for my sake, the, the world was created. What does that mean? I'm the single most important person in the world? No, every single person is supposed to say that. Right? So you are unbelievably important, but no more important than the person sitting on either side. That the, wor- the word world comes from the language helem, which you know. Every single person is obligated to say the the concealment in the first simsum, the first constriction of God's light, Nivra Bishvili was created for me. What does that mean? It was created in order that I should purify it, rectify it, and purify it, meaning that I should reveal the Elokus in it. The world was created for me. Yes, in other words, that, that's very nice. Okay, so I'm extremely important. What does that mean? That means I'm extremely responsible. I have unbelievable responsibilities and obligations. And what's that? To affect the world positively. If the world was created for me, then I'm responsible for the welfare of the world. If the world was created for me, so therefore I'm going to get myself a big car and have everybody write me notes of appreciation. No. That isn't what it means to be important. What it means to be important is to have responsibility for something. Right? That what you do matters. Well, everybody's important. Because the Abishad doesn't make something for no reason. So every single person has to say about themselves that the world was created for me. In other words, I am extremely responsible for the welfare of the world and obligated to do that which I can do in order to make the world a better place. Now, some people might look at that in terms of obligations. Other people might look at that in terms of uh, opportunity. A person who looks at it right sees it as an opportunity, but that doesn't mean it's not an obligation. It's an obligation. 
just happens to be an incredibly amazing op- obligation, which one would, if you think about it in real terms, is an incredible opportunity to do things that really matter. The Adam and a person who betsi'ur ramachevarim gidim, like Ali said, 248 limbs, 365 gidim, whatever. also said. The therefore, kol every different level of ishtalshalus, every different level of reality, expresses the level of 613, because 613 is the most powerful expression of God's will. Mitzvahs. Mitzvahs are the most obvious expression of God's will, but a mitzvah is... The mitzvah, the mitzvah is the most obvious expression of God's will, but the existence of the table is also an expression of God's will. No less, the mitzvah is just, the mitzvah is just obvious. Okay, more direct obvious. Right. Okay, so every different level of reality ultimately expresses this level of 613. Why 613? That's not for now. That's not what the Rebbe is talking about. He's just saying that's the mitzvah. Okay, so what is that? Right? And that's why even though generally, what's the number that you would generally think of if you thought of the source of reality in all of the different worlds, all the different levels of reality? What number would come to mind as sort of the source of it all and definitive of it all? 42. Hmm? 42. Why 42? What? Ah, okay. Sorry, I'm sorry. We're not there. What? It's considered 10. Ten. Ten spheres, right? That's what we think. Ten utterances. Ten utterances, ten spheres, ten, right? I mean, ten. That is definitely the right answer. Ten. There's ten spheres. Every, every, every different level of reality is ultimately ten spheres. Ten, not nine, and not eleven, Zaire says. All right? Okay. So what's 613? Well, it happens to be very, very interesting. That What does Rav Sadja Gain do? Rav Sadja Gain was... Uh, was uh, the Gaonic period is a is a relatively short period in between the closure of the Gemara and the beginning of the of the Rishonim. Right? And the first Rishon generally is understood as the Rif, the Rambam's Rebbe's Rebbe. Right? Do you find in the back of the Gemara? You know where the Rif is. If you don't know where the Rif is, open up your Gemara and look to the back. You'll find Rivitzakalfas, the Rif. Very very important Rishon. When the Shulchan Aruch decided Halacha, he looked at three different Rishonim: the Rif, the Rush, and the Rambam. So the Rif is the, the, the first of those. So in between the closure of the Gemara and the Rif is about a 400-year period. And, and that's called the Gaonic period. Sadi Gaon, Natranai Gaon, not Vilna Gaon. Vilna Gaon lived in, in Vilna in Europe in the, in the 1700s, 1800s. Right? So, so the, the Gaonim, the Gaonim were, were extremely important. And though there's not an awful lot written from them, meaning Eitzur Ga'inim, which is a compilation of everything they said, is about a you know, 15-volume set, the size of Gemara's. Which, I mean, if you were to take the Rishonim, the next four or 500 years, it would be a lot more than that. Right? So it's relatively quiet time. But extremely important time. Now, what did Rav Satya Ga'in do? Musajigain wrote a book called Emunot Vedeot, a very important book. But he, uh, he also found, meaning he showed, fine, they're there. He just showed us how in the, uh, in the Aserah Sadibres, right, which 
are sometimes called the Ten Commandments, but we know they're not the Ten Commandments because even on the simplest level, there are either 13 or 14 commandments in what we call the Aseris Adibras. Right? Ten Commandments is a, you know, just a misnomer. It's not true. There's no, there's no such thing. Right? I don't know why Jewish books translate it that way. It's ten utterances. Right? How many mitzvahs? Well, either 13 or 14. It depends whether you call a neuchir v'alokecha mitzvah. That's a machlekes rishenim. Whether there's a mitzvah to believe in God. If a neichi is a mitzvah, so then mitzvah, there's the Rambam, then the mitzvah is, I'm God, meaning believe in me. There's a mitzvah to believe in me. The Bahag, another major Rishon, who counted mitzvahs, because you know we have a theory, we have a, a, theory, we have a tradition that there are 613 mitzvahs. Right? But, we, but nowhere in the Torah, I mean, you've all read the Torah enough times, nowhere does the Torah say that this is mitzvah one, this is mitzvah two, this is mitzvah three. It doesn't do that. Right? So what are those 613 mitzvahs? So basically everybody agrees about 595 of them. Those are pretty clear. There's a machlekes about, you know, 13, 15 you know, uh, mitzvahs, right? One of the main machlekesim, the Bahag and the Rambam, is there a mitzvah to believe in God? The Bahag says there's no mitzvah. You can't have a mitzvah to believe in the commander. You can't have a commandment to believe in the commander. Meaning there's just a statement of fact. I'm God. Now, what's the first mitzvah? Don't have other gods. According to the Bahag. According to the Rambam, is a mitzvah of emuna, Meaning, do that which is necessary to come to an appreciation of God's existence. Right? That's... that's the mitzvah of Amunah, according to the Rambam. Okay? Bring Amunah Badas. Because interesting enough, the Rambam says there's a mitzvah Lahamin and there's a mitzvah Ladas. Bring Amunah into Das, which is what I said this is all about, right? It's bringing the Makif into Paninis. Okay. So, so the, another famous Machlaikas is there a mitzvah called Yishuv Eretz Yisrael? Is there a mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael? The Rambam says yes. The Rambam says no. Does that, think, does that mean the Rambam thinks living in Eretz Yisrael has no value? The Rambam says exactly the opposite. Since the whole Torah is all about living in Eretz Yisrael, so it's not a specific mitzvah. It encompasses all of them. Since you can't keep the Torah if you don't live in Eretz Yisrael, meaning all of it, right? You can't possibly do that. So obviously Eretz Yisrael is so central that it transcends mitzvah, the Rambam says. It transcends an individual mitzvah. So the Rambam says, no, there's a mitzvah called Yishuv Eretz Yisrael, which means that if a person lives in Eretz Yisrael, they're being Mekayim a mitzvah. Okay. All sorts of different machlegs. But we know there's 613. How do we know there's 613? You ever wonder how we know there's 613 mitzvahs? I mean, this is just, you know, we're learning all about all sorts of nigla now. In Chassidus class, you're allowed to learn nigla? I guess so, we're doing it. Right? If uh, my arm isn't withering, so I guess it's okay. No? How do we know? Anybody know? Baruch Hashem, you've all been around here long enough not to guess. Well done. <laughs> it's a Gemara in Makis, happens to be a Gemara that, 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 that Rabbi Cohen's class is learning. Not that Gemara, but they're learning Makis in the summer. The, the famous Pasuk that you all know says, Terah Tzivalan Meshu. Meshu commanded us Terah. And the Gemara in the end of Makis says, Terah is Gematria 611. And then what are the other two? Oh, we heard from a Kaddish Baruch. We heard two, mit- two mitzvahs from a Kaddish Baruch. Right. And the other 611, what happened after those two? We said enough. And, and Meshur Benin taught us the other 611. Right? So that's, that's the basic, I mean, there are other Medrashim, but that's the basic Medrash that teaches us there are 613 mitzvahs. Right? Okay. 
So interesting enough, Rav Sajigayin, this is how this all started, right? Rav Sajigayin learns all 613 mitzvahs from the Aserah Siddiquus. They're all there, just in a hidden state. And that's what the Rebbe is saying here. Revealed reality is the Esosphirus. That's revealed elokus, responsible for the reality you're looking at. But were you to delve more deeply into all the intricacies of the reality you're perceiving, whichever reality it happens to be, whether it's Elam Abriya, Elam Yitzira, it's really 613 different levels of, of, of elokus. Every level. Oh, so every level in Ishtar is 613, the Why? Well, that's the most powerful expression of God's will, and every level of reality is simply an expression of God's will. Okay. The call the Madrigas Bishlash, same for Misparze, 613. Even though, again, on the revealed level 10, no question. But on the uh, deeper level, 613, just like the mitzvahs. Now, it just very, very quickly, the, the, the Machlech is 13, 14 mitzvahs, and he says, is, is based on a nech. I mean, everybody agrees the Le Yelcha is three or four mitzvahs. Read it, right? You shouldn't have, you shouldn't make, you shouldn't serve. This is different mitzvahs relative to Avedazara in the second Dibur. Right? So that's why Ten Commandments, no such thing. Ten utterances? Absolutely. The ten utterances that brought the world into creation, the ten utterances that brought the Torah into the world. And the ten makes, which happened in between, which were makeh, smashed the evil, negative reality, to allow for the revelation of completely positive, completely godly reality. The creation of the world is a creation of Teva Ra. That Ra was completely smashed at the time of... Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, in order to allow for a revelation of the Kulei Tev of Torah, complete Tev of Torah. Ten, ten, ten. V'lochein, therefore, hine. Gamba neshama, so too in the neshama. Hariyesh gamkein tayur keiches. The neshama is a mirror image of these, of, of, of godliness. Shebehem tluyim atariyag mitzvahs. I just want to make it fair. Behem tluyim atariyag mitzvahs. He's so much faster than you. I want to hear you. You're closer to the mind. I know, I know, I know. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> this thing is always distracting me. This thing. That's why I like not turning it on the way you're going to do There are people who drive to work listening to this, so it's worth it. All the craziness involved. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Shebehem tluyim, that are dependent on them, are the Tariyag mitzvahs. Meaning each mitzvah is an expression of that aspect of the neshama. The chevel this rope, the neshama, hare miskashe belakus, is connected to the abishtu. Kameya chevel, just like a, a regular rope. Shereisha echad kashe One end of the rope is connected to, uh, to, to the ceiling of the room, right? The rope in gym, in the gym class. Vereisha sheni, in the second end of the rope is kashur lamata. It's not necessarily even kashur. It might just be hanging there, the rope that we used to climb. I used to learn how to climb a rope in gym class, right? So that rope wasn't connected to any second thing. But it was, it was on the floor, and you could get from the floor to the ceiling through the rope. That's what the rope was all about, get to the ceiling. And always the, 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 the small skinny guys were the fastest up the rope. That was me. 
I was the small skinny guy. Not very good at rugby, but pretty good at climbing the rope. Rugby, broken bones immediately. All right. So to the neshama, it's top. It's connected above. Vohu his kashrus es ois hei tatoba gimel oisius yud kevav. The neshama is a piece of elokus, and it's the connection of the letter hei in the name yud kevav ke, the second hei, the second k, k tata, ba gimel oisius yud kevav. It connects us to elokus. Vureisha echad. The second level of the neshama, the, the, the other end of it, is connected below. And what's that? And now, interesting enough, the Rebbe uses the Moshe Levar. Vohu baharas neshama, that's the illumination, the radiance of the neshama. Hamislaveshes baguf, that's clothed in the gufa adam, in the body of a person, lachiyesi, to give it vitality. But the neshama is connected above. Vazeu Yaakov Chevel Nachlose, and this is what Meshur Benu means when he says in the Varim Yaakov Chevel Nachlose, the Gamba Madreges and the Muches, even the lowest levels of the Jew, the simplest Jews, Shehem Bechinas Ikvim, they're like the heels, Yaakov, not Yisrael. Doesn't say Yisrael Chevel Nachlose, which is the lofty state of the Jewish people. Two different names, Yaakov, which is Yud Akiv, that the Yud godliness has been drawn down to the Akiv. The heel, the lowest level of reality, as opposed to Yisrael, which is Li Rosh, the head, the highest levels of reality, two different aspects of, of us, Neshama Guf, Ikvim, that they are like a heel, the lowest level, Hine, Ayadei the Neshama, through the Neshama that each and every Jew has, Harehem Kshurim Ba'atzimus, they're connected to the essence of a Kodesh Baruch and so to speak, Shaheim, Nishmas Israel, they, the Nishamas of the Jewish people, the inheritance of above. Peace of Elokus, that's the Yid. So Mitzad the Yid is a Nivra, it's a created being. Mitzad Shaini is a godly being. It's a piece of Elokus, walking around in a goof. So mitzad the goof, we're a nivra. Mitzad the neshama, we're not a nivra. We're a chedek of the borough. We're a piece of the borough. Piece of the greater, not, not a nivra. There's definitely an aspect of us that's a nivra. It's a created thing. Right? Story that we've all heard many, many times. Tzemach Tzedek, asked by uh, one of his philosopher friends, who liked to ask, questions that he thought might be good questions. You never know about these guys, like, were they looking forward to the answer or were they not looking forward to the answer? I, mean, I don't know. I don't know what the relationship of the Tzemeset was with this particular person. The Maral, the Maral of Prague had a, had a very close friend who was a, a very famous mathematician in Prague at the time of, of the Maral. The Maral lived 14 generations ago in Prague. The Rav of Prague. Prague was a huge Jewish center, center in those days. So uh, the, one of the Maral's best friends was a non-Jewish mathematician philosopher, and they used to take long walks together in the gardens of Prague and discuss reality. Now, he probably, I mean, 
if the Maharal spent that much time with him, he must have been a pretty special person. So you would assume that he was interested in the Maharal's answers to his questions. <laughs> he wasn't asking the questions just to ask the question and not get an answer. He probably realized the Maharal is someone who can answer some of the deepest questions that he has about reality. Right? Because the Maharal has something that he doesn't have, called Torah. So they used to go for long walks and discuss things. It must have been very interesting. It would have been nice to be a fly on the, on the shoulder of one of them to listen to what they talked about. Okay. But then when you hear these other stories, you hear that you know, the philosopher came to the Tzemach Zedek. So it, it, it was this guy just trying to, you know, mm, to the Tzemach Zedek? Or did he, was he really interested in an answer? I, mean, I always wonder about these guys. Like, you know, it would be interesting. You know, a modern day, a modern day philosopher who would go see the Rebbe would be interested in the answer, probably. Right? You know, if you would walk into Yechidus, you would assume that if he got there, he'd be interested in the answer, that's why he's there. You would think. You know, some serious guy. Right? You would think. But who knows? Right? So the Tzemach Sadek was asked by this philosophy, he said, I can prove to you that your God's not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. So, okay, why? So he can't create another god. That's a pretty good question. I don't know, I don't know what I would answer that one. <laughs> he can't create another god, can he? So, you know, the idea of not being able to, you know, can God create a rock he can't pick up? That's just stupid. That's not a good question. Because that's based on, you know, very, very limited human understanding of reality and the answer to that question is very, very simple. He can create the rock and then he can pick it up and deal with it because God doesn't fit into the boxes of your intellect. But can God create another God? That's a very amazing question. And if he can't, that means he's lacking. He's limited. That was his question. Who remembers the Tzemach Tzedek's answer? None of you remember we've talked about one of my favorite stories. I, you know, I only know eight, and I tell them to you all the time. I'm just glad you guys don't remember anything. Bar Hashem. But it's all on here. These people go, oh, you're telling that one again? I heard that on the way to work last week. Right? Tzemach Sadek said an amazing answer. He said he did. It's called a Jew. That was his answer. He created a little piece of godliness. It's a creation. But it's the Abishtim. Because a Jew is a Nivra, but also a Barah. So when you talk about the Neshama, you're talking about a little piece of the Barah. So that's what the Rebbe's saying. The top of the Neshama is a piece of the Barah. It's a piece of the Abishtim Amish. Oh, but that descends down and vitalizes a goof. Okay. By virtue of this incredible thing called the Neshama, they're connected with absolute essential connection. Oh, so what about the third chapter? Oh, that's the Midas. That's what I was going to explain now. Rabbi said something incredibly important at the beginning of the fourth chapter. After wiping us out, the whole third chapter. Right? How disconnected from Elokus we can become. The Rebbe says, no, you can't possibly ultimately, essentially disconnect from Elokus. But the level of you that's down in Elam Hazeh, that's busy doing whatever you're doing, that part of you can disconnect. And it's like cutting the rope. That's what the Rebbe is about to explain. The notion of blasphemy, heaven forfend, or a very serious Aveda, 
Keres, eating on Yom Kippur, eating comments on Pesach, Shechil Shabbos, you know, serious Averis. Okay, so what's the Chiyuv? Keres. Sometimes Misa, but Keres. So what's Keres? What does the word Keres actually mean? Literally, to cut. Oh, so now, what are you cutting? It's the clearest idea imaginable. What are you cutting? Cutting the neshama in two. You're cutting the rope in two. Right? Literally. Right? Disconnecting part of the rope from another part of the rope. Don't they, they affect the essential connection? Now, when the Rebbe says the essential connection, it doesn't mean the essential connection of the top of the rope to the Ebishter. That's never affected. The, the, the connection of the rope to itself, the essential connection of the rope, the bottom of the rope to the top of the rope. Vahainu. Vahainu. Bechlolos iskashu shem etzim and the sham of etzim and nefesh. The essential connection of the essence of the soul and the essence, the essence of two different levels of the soul. In other words, the essence of our soul here connected to the essence of itself. There's the Rebbe's about to say, Val derech based on that which is written, Ki hayu Your transgressions separate between you and your God. So what's Pshat? The Rebbe says an amazing Pshat. Delukechem? What does it mean, your God? Perish, elukashelechem. The God of you, meaning your godliness. Hainu, ha'elukus b'neshama. What does an Avera do? So in the third chapter, the Rebbe explained an Avera in, in, a, in, in a, you know, a, a pretty stark terms, right? I mean, it, it, it's hard to learn the third chapter in Basi Lagani and not be moved by it. You have to be pretty, you know, concrete-like, not to have any crack based on that. Okay, fine. It's very heavy. But what happens? The Avera doesn't, ex- the, the, the Avera doesn't separate a Yid from the Avishter. The Avera separates a Yid from themselves. It separates conscious us from real us. And that's why it's such a completely unsettling event. Such an unhealthy event. I can't be a healthy person if I'm disconnected from the essence of who I am. Because what's the essence of a Yid? The essence of a Yid is that neshama that's, that's essentially connected to the Abishna. And when you and I do an Avera, <coughs> or when a Yid does an Avera, it won't get personal. When a Yid does an Avera, what happens? So the Yid is disconnecting himself from himself, from the Elokashelechem, the Elokus in him, which is neshama. He's cutting the rope. When I cut the rope, and that the image of the rope is so absolutely clear. Right? If this is the rope... So the top of the rope is completely connected. But if, and, and here, here, you know, then the rope descends down and this will be the head and this will be the body. So wh- where, where's the Avera happening? So I can be cutting off this part of my Neshama. This is still connected. There's no lack of connection up here. But I've, I've disconnected this part of the Neshama from itself, which is what Averas do. And that's why they're completely unsettling and so un- unbelievably unhealthy. I might not even be aware of that, but I'm not in a healthy state if I'm doing that. Because I'm not me. And that's not healthy. It's like a dog walking around licking his paws and, and cleaning his face like a cat. Just What's wrong with this dog? It's just not what a dog is about, right? That, that's not what dogs do, right? Okay, so he's in... And he's not friendly. 
and he meows, and he only eats a little bit at a time, and then he sits there looking incredibly proud of himself. It's not dog-like, it's very cat-like. Right? Dogs, you know, so they slobber all over and get all excited when you walk in. The cat will sort of look at you and turn the other way. Dogs are more demanding, of course. You have to take care of them more, which is why the pet of choice in the United States over the last 25 years has changed from dog to cat, because cats do not demand anything of me. <laughs> People aren't interested in any demands in relationships. Dogs demand a lot. I have to take care of the dog. If I go away, I have to find a place to put him. <laughs> it's like having another kid. Well, I don't want one of those. That's, that's, you know, I'll have a cat. I'll sit on my lap and purr every now and then and I'll feel good. Cats are much less demanding but much less friendly. Delekechem perish elokash shalechem. Your elokus. Vahainu elokus shebin neshama. So that's what the third chapter is talking about. So both ideas are absolutely true. The Avera disconnects us from the Abishter. Absolutely. What part of me? Me down here. What about essential me? Essential me isn't disconnected from the Abishter. The Avera doesn't affect essential me. Ki who's that? One. So the muscle brought in Gashmias, a person whose DNA, their, their physical essence, so to speak, is that they have black hair, fine. They dye their hair blonde for 60 years. Okay, so their revealed reality is completely inconsistent with their essential reality. What's happened to their DNA? Does their DNA ultimately become blonde hair DNA? Absolutely nothing happens to their DNA. There's no change whatsoever in the DNA. No change whatsoever. Right? Okay. Ayid, in Eilam Hazer. Chos V'Sholem, doesn't have What happens to his spiritual DNA, the Etzim and the Shama? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. What happens to his revealed state? disaster. <laughs> Unbelievable. Now all of a sudden he's a blonde, right? But he's not really a blonde. That isn't what he, look, that isn't what he looks like, right? He's not a blonde, but he, okay, now he did something that turned himself into a blonde, turned himself, his revealed reality to be completely the opposite of his essential reality. So there's nothing wrong with being a blonde per se, right? But that's an evade. So the Rebbe says, you do it. On the essence of the soul, nothing conceals. Ah, and since the, 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 the certain Averas, now the Rebbe is going to explain something that we didn't understand in the third chapter. Why is it that there are certain Averas that Ruach Shtus will affect and there are certain Averas that Ruach Shtus won't affect? Right? Remember, we said, the Rebbe said to us very clearly, right? there were certain things that none of us will do. Right? And there are other things that we'll do. Right? Why? Why won't the Ruach Hashtus affect a Yid such that the Frum Jew, the religious Jew, so-called, won't get into a car on Shabbos and drive to the beach? He doesn't do that. Why? He knows that if he does that, he's completely and totally disconnected from the Ibster. There's no, he can't, he just gave the Ibster a get. He knows that. Okay. That same Jew 
might say something negative about another Jew. When he says something negative about another Jew, what's he doing? He's disconnecting himself from the edge. So why is that disconnect not, is not necessarily something that he's sensitive to, whereas the disconnect of Shabbos is very, very powerfully connected to? So he won't do it. Right? Turn on the light on Shabbos. Boom, it takes what? A, a quarter of a second? He might have just spent 35 seconds saying something negative about another Jew. He won't do that quarter of a second. There's no way. 35 seconds of, you know, some nice juicy Lush and Hara that's been stewing in his belly and he lets it out. Why? Oh, so I will explain. And now, when the Rebbe talking about etzim connection, he's talking about the etzim connection of the rope to itself here, not the etzim connection of the... Right? But, but again, by virtue of the fact of doing certain things, I'll do, it'll be such a drastic disconnect that it'll essentially disconnect me down here from who I am. That when it comes, I'm sorry, yeah, when it comes something that's the general connection of his soul, that he could be nifrad al completely separate through this mielukus who canal, as we said earlier, the Ish Yisrael in a healthy state, the Yid, Eina, Reitz, Abishum, Eifin, he doesn't want in any way, Eina, Yochel, and he's not able, Chos V'Sholem, Lipadad, Melukuz, to separate himself from the Abishter. We talked about that earlier, in a state of health. That doesn't mean that a Jew can't be in a state that's lacking health, and he'll do all sorts of things that are that are not healthy. Okay, but, said, but a natural state of a Yid is he does not want to be separate from the Abishter. And that's why the Yid who has some consciousness of what it means to be a Yid and has been educated at least minimally in terms of what it means to be a Yid won't get into a car on Shabbos because it's just, it's, 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 no, I don't want to do that. That means I'm a Yiddishkeit. Not that, I'm not there. Okay. He doesn't want to go there. Velochein, therefore, near it's felt by him this thing, this complete disconnect. That'll be an Issacharis. Cutting the rope in two? You have to be very lacking in sensitivity to have someone cut off your arm and you don't feel it. What are you, your nervous system, there's something wrong with your nervous system if someone can cut off your arm and you don't feel it. Okay. Cut you in two, literally. Okay. But what can someone do when you might not feel it? Little Nick. Cutting one of the 613 strands of the neshama. Take a razor blade and just... 613, imagine the rope. It has 613 strands. I take a razor blade and very carefully I just nick one of the strands and I cut it and disconnect it from itself. Have I affected the strength of the rope? Well, on some level, but not probably nothing that you'll notice. Right? You have to be very sensitive to that. Well, that's, a, that's your average everyday Aveira in terms of its effect on the Shama. It's like cutting one strand. So if I'm not sensitive, I won't feel that cut. And so I'll allow that to happen. Ah, it affects the rope in general, but in a very subtle way. So I might not be so sensitive to that. Taking a, a machete and cutting the rope in two, getting into a car on Shabbos, giving up Shmerel, to the Russian, right, who's outside the shul asking for Shmerel, Beryl won't do that. He won't do that. There's no way Beryl is giving Shmerel over to that Russian, that Soviet. It's not happening. What does Beryl know if he does that? 
He just took a machete to his nisham. But in shul, when he was saying Lashon Hara about Beryl, or Shmeryl, Shmeryl, right? Didn't feel, why not? It's a little nick in the mushroom. It's a very powerful mushroom. It's, it's so clear. So that's what the Rebbe says. Aval b'share aveiris chas v'shalom. Other aveiris, she'einim b'kadas, that aren't so serious, meaning they're not as drastic to the soul as a whole, haren nimim pratim. They're individual strands, individual threads of the neshama, lochein, therefore, einin nirgashim etzleikirkach. Might not be so sensitive to it. Now, probably Yosef did feel when I pinched him on his arm. Why? So we're very sensitive to physicality, right? Yeah, they, 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 if you, you take blood and they put that little pin in you and take out a little drop of blood, ow! Oh, come on, give me a break. It's a little pin break. No, but we don't like that. Might even sweat a little before they do it, right? Like you really don't feel comfortable, right? You don't like that, right? Some people are, you know, more sensitive to needles. My father was a complete character. So once his, uh, his best friend came in for a physical. My father was his doctor. He came in for a physical. <laughs> and uh, so uh, my father came in. I don't know where he got it. He got a needle that you give horses. It's like, you know, it was this long. <laughs> so he comes into the office. He comes into the, you know, the, he's in one of the examining rooms. He comes in, he says, okay, Les, this won't hurt. <laughs> He's got a needle. This It'll go through him from the front to the back. This huge needle. He says, I just got to give you a little something with this. Go, what? <laughs> he loved it. He came home. He was so happy. Oh, I gave it to Les today. I had this needle. <laughs> so that needle, I think we're all afraid of. But those little tiny needles, we don't like those either, right? We, you know, most people get a little, you get a little clammy when they come. You know, okay. They're mad. Like, what is the big deal, right? It really doesn't hurt so much. But it's uncomfortable for it. I mean, when you go to the dentist, how long does it hurt when the dentist puts it in? Literally two seconds? You tense up? That's in Gashmias. What if we were to develop that in Ruchnius? Never doing a favor in our lives. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Now, naturally, the Nebuchadnezzar is that sensitive to, to, to Gashmias. Very in tune with myself, right? That guy who we met yesterday, right? Okay. Should be written on the on the license plate in California. <laughs> I'm in tune with myself, right? California, the state where everybody's in tune with themselves, right? Or Colorado. You could do the same in Colorado, probably. At least part of the state. Depends. People are getting in tune with other things in Colorado. Ah, okay, right. Well, that's just. Uh, yeah, yeah, but that, but it's very interesting when the Rebbe talked about that. The Rebbe explained the difference why the difference between that and mashka. The Rebbe said that when a person drinks mashka, they get out of themselves. When they do that, they get more into themselves, and that's why it's not usable for a veda. Just gets a person it, a person withdraws into themselves. Now, you know, the Rebbe knows that because he knows that. Not that he ever uh, experimented. He just knows. Whereas when a person drinks mashka, they get out of themselves, which can be useful. It's not something a person should do every Friday night, 
right? or Shabbos day, and they might have a drinking problem. But, but if, uh, it, it, there's no question that Chazal say that, that drinking mashka certain times will free a person of certain limitations and allow them to connect to a state beyond themselves and that should, should Chazal demand that that be done in the two holidays where we celebrate freedom, Purim and Pesach. Purim, Chazal said you have to drink Pesach. Chazal said you have to drink four cups of wine. Most of us, after four cups of wine, feel slightly different than we felt before we drank the four cups of wine, right? Now, you could drink, you know, for bringing 5%, but, but, but I mean, you know, most wine will definitely affect you, especially when the first two cups are drunk on, a, on an empty stomach. <laughs> this definitely affects you, right? Okay. That's what Chazal want. Get out of yourself a little bit. Okay, now we'll give you something to help. The Abishtu created it. Get hooked on it? Bad idea. Is it something that can be used for positive purposes? Absolutely. 100%. Right? Some people, the single most important event in their lives is, you know, sitting them down. They're like just sort of stuck somewhere. They can't ever let themselves go. Sit them down with a mashpia. The mashpia will make them drink half a bottle of vodka and get out of themselves and get sick. But before they get sick and pass out, they might actually get out of themselves and realize, well, hold on a second, I don't have to be as limited in my relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu as I thought I was. Okay, Beseder. Now, it takes them two days to recover, and then they sit down and they deal with the new reality that was just opened up. It's happened. Right? <laughs> it's happened. Rav Mendel, the first thing he used to do in Febrengans very often was talk about the fact that we don't Febreng to drink. Right? He had a muscle, it doesn't matter. Sometimes, what Rav Mendel would do with a bakr, he'd literally open his mouth and pour mashka from a bottle down his throat. Now, you can imagine that was not a particularly pleasant experience. Right? But if Mendel thought that was the medicine the guy needed, that's what he would do. And yet, there's the same Mendel would talk about the fact that Febrengans are not about drinking lechaim. You don't forbring to say l'chaim. You might say l'chaim in order to forbring, but you don't forbring to say l'chaim. Get a mushroom. Mm-hmm. He used to be very clear about that. Because some people, oh, yeah, forbring, oh, yeah, great, oh, let's go get drunk. No. It's not what a is. Mm-hmm. And yet sometimes with mental would be pretty <laughs> stark about uh, making sure that someone got out of himself. Vagam, and even though Sheba Avrei, that when he transgresses al achas mi mitzvah one of the mitzvahs of Hashem, Hashem tzivel asaisen that he was commanded to do ve'eno and he doesn't do, he transgresses a positive commandment. Oy or she'oise achas mi mitzvah or he does one of the mitzvahs Hashem tzivel avaya levilti lasaisen, he does one of those mitzvahs that the Eved said you shouldn't do. In other words, he transgresses a negative commandment, doesn't avayu. What happens? Nifsak, it's cut. Hanima protis, the individual strand. In this particular detail of the, of the nature of his neshama, the whole essential character of this particular aspect of his relationship with the Kaddish Baruch. Void Yeser, furthermore, Shapel Chalishas Bechlalas Echevel. Obviously, it causes a certain weakness in the rest of the rope. But it might be something so small that I don't feel it. So I might be prone to that Aveil. That's the Ruach Shtus the Rebbe was talking about in Oiz Gimel. But since they're only individual strands, it's not felt by him so much. 
In this context, since they are only individual strands, I'm sorry, the, the emotional attributes of the Nefesh Bahamis can conceal the emotional attributes of the Nefesh Elokis. Would you two stop it? That it's not felt by him the light and the chayas eloki, the godly energy. Why? Because the nefesh bahamis has covered up the nefesh elokis, which the midas of the nefesh bahamis, which is conscious him in the most powerful way, the subjective level of his own reality, which is what midas are. I feel, me, mamish. I think. Okay, it's me thinking, but thinking can be very objective, right? It's supposed to be. Intellect is objective, so theoretically I can think something that I don't really like. <laughs> I don't really want to think that, but okay, I've come to the conclusion that that's what's supposed to be. I haven't brought it down into I feel yet because I'm having a hard time subjectively connecting to that objective truth. Right? That's why we start with Seichel. Seichel can relate to objective reality. We can all understand that in our seichel. Can I get my midas on board with that? Ooh, I don't know. Wait a minute. Can't I? Don't I have a little? Can't I have a little room somewhere like that's my place? I, yeah, the idea is beautiful and glorious. That feeling. I mean, I don't know. I've never had it, but I, I you know, it, 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 once you reach it, it's an, it's an amazing place. But I don't want to give up that feeling of self that my Nefesh seems to enjoy. So the Midas of the Nefesh can cover up the Midas of the Nefesh which is that part of me that loves the Yevish. Let's finish the paragraph. He doesn't feel the godly light. And this is all just review of, of Ois Gimel. And that's why he can come to an Avera, Ois Gimel. We, we understand it. <laughs> the of the that covers up the truth. He doesn't feel it. So he doesn't feel that little nick. Because what the Rebbe say, if I felt the beauty of the mitzvah, I'd also feel the opposite when the Avera happens. Because I'm being sensitive to Elokus. Now, interesting enough, how do we sensitize ourselves to Elokus? More by the positive mitzvah than refraining from the negative. Refra- refraining from the negative, it's hard for us to feel anything. Okay, but Seder, it's called these kafia, and we, we, we force ourselves to do that, but it's not like we're feeling any upliftedness. Otherwise, we're feeling a certain restriction. Right? At first, hopefully there'll come a point where we'll feel a lakus in that also, but at the beginning we feel restriction. I'm just restricting myself. Okay. But why might I do that? Well, oh, because if I've, if I've sensitized myself to a lakus, through the positive mitzvah, then I'm sensitive to the fact that I don't want to dis- I don't want to distance myself from something so beautiful. Standing on the edge of a cliff with this gorgeous view, I don't understand. I have the opportunity to turn around, and behind me is a garbage dump. So why do I want to turn around and look at the garbage dump? Why don't I stay with the view? Well, if I appreciate the view, that's what I'll do. If not, I'll turn around. Son and I once for bringing on telephone. How do you how do you do a negative commandment basimcha? He does a shem basimcha. How do you do a love basimcha? How do you not do what you want to do basimcha? <laughs> Doing what you want to do basimcha, oh, I get it. Meaning it might be a veda, but okay, that that's something intuitively we can all understand. 
How do I not do what I want to do and still be Basimcha? So he said, it, it was Mamash Ashkoch because he was in a Febrengen the night before where someone was talking about that and he said an amazing mushal. The person, I don't remember who he heard Febrengen. I heard this from my son, so I'll quote him. He said, he said what's a love? It's a negative commandment. Negative commandment is the child sitting on his father's lap. The father is stroking his cheek. And he says, don't go there. Stay here with me. That's a negative commandment. We're with the age. Do I want to go there? But I'm not with him if I go there. I want to stay here. I, it might take a certain amount of force to keep me here, my own force. Okay. Gvura. But why do I want to go there? Why do I want to leave my father? I'm on his lap. He's embracing me. Why do I want to go over there? That's a love. Don't go there. Stay here with me. That's what the Abishta says to us. Okay, let's finish the paragraph. Shein and Nirgesh Etzlai doesn't feel the light. Bechein Hine, Yered, he can descend, Rachman al-Etzlai, in heaven for Fen, Midechi al-Dechi, from, you know, that means something pushed away, but a, 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 a low place to another low place. Ad Sheba, Lasseis, Dover, Isser, Rachman al-Etzlai, he can actually do something that's forbidden, Vumitzah, the Ruch Shtus, and that's all coming from the Ruch Shtus. Kitzer, Yamshich, the Ruch Shtus, Mechaser, Rakal, Mides, the Nevashel Kis, the Ruch Shtus only covers the Mides of the Nevashel Kis, Veloi, Alatzmus, of Etzmis, Kashus, but not the essential connection. Okay. We still don't know what, and 